Hello and welcome to the first annual New Entertainment System Podcast Game of the Year Awards, the only Game of the Year special that matters. It's the only canonical one. And forewarning, we're going to be talking about these games as if they were actually real in the real world and they already existed and we're going to be talking about things that we liked in those games with, you know, big air quotes. So just play along with the kayfabe and have fun with it. We had a great year here at the New Entertainment System Podcast with a whopping total of 40 perfect 100% on Metacritic titles. I'm your host, Nathan Brandt. And I'm your host, Cam Koenig. And today we're both going to go through our top three games that we've made this year, as well as reveal this year's viewer choice award. Cam, how are you doing first off? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited for 2019 to be over, to be completely honest. Uh, but, you know, th- things are good. Things are things are looking up and I'm, I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. In many in many ways, this year was the longest century of my life. And 100 percent agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> and, I'm with you there. And I can't wait for it to be over. But on the other hand, I started podcasting this year. I met you. I met. You yeah, know, I got a cat now. I've got, you know, lots of cool stuff. Uh, I'm, I, I get into a thing at the end of the programs, but this is not a podcast about the end of the program. This is a podcast about the about ten mm, percent of the way into the podcast. <laughs> so it's now time for me to reveal what my third favorite game was this year that we've made. But they're all perfect statistically. They're all perfect. They're all the math proves it. Yes, they're all equal in God's eyes, um, <laughs> which may be the robot. I don't know. In the eyes of Mr. Metacritic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marty Metacritic said <laughs> that this was Marty Critic. <laughs> My, fuck, we got to write that into something. Yeah. <laughs> Marty Critic said these were all the best games he's ever played, and he played all 40 of them, which is which is more time than I had to play real games this year. But um, so my my third favorite game this year um was Sonic 07. <laughs> yes. So if you remember Sonic 07 was the game that we made with uh Chloe Naylor of that nerdy site. Uh the premise was Sonic and Skyrim have crossed over with each other. Um and Sonic free of the Sega shackles can finally kill and lord does he. <laughs> um it's violent as hell. Um, Sonic recruits you. Uh, you were the Dova Keen, and now you are the Sonic Keen. <laughs> and Sonic born. Yeah, the Sonic born. <laughs> Sonic born. Sonic born. God. Uh, and so what Sonic does with his big weird hands and, and friends that are all just kind of different colors of him, um, they fly around and they kill the denizens of Skyrim. They just kind of went off. Like I was, I was really. It, it was kind of a nice change of pace to see. It, it it felt almost like at some points Mortal Kombat esque with how ridiculous these killings got. Like the the bit that always stuck with me was whenever Sonic just like burst into a store and just killed a shopkeeper by like rubbing up against him and like spinballing so fast it just like ripped his entire skin off like a fucking cartoon. Yeah, it was sort of like in cartoons uh, where they take the tablecloth off the table yes, really quickly yeah. and the table settings are still there. Sonic did that with somebody's skin and his hat was still on. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like the bones fell and it made the cool xylophone noise. It was great. Yeah, and then it rose up as a fucking whatever's on is in that game um (laughs) what i found interesting and almost alarming about the game was at first it was literally just skyrim you start off in the weird cart and you look up and the guy's like hey you're going you're you're a prisoner too and then they get there and they're about to um 
chop your head off, and then what do you hear? It's <laughs> Sonic drops down from the sky on a surfboard made out of part of a helicopter question mark and then yeah. <laughs> he's telling he's trying to get you to escape from the city yes exactly exactly escape from the skyrim was the was the cover mm-hmm. uh version yeah. of that song and so uh then you um so sonic basically rescues you and you are his uh, indentured servant and you have to um do his bidding until at the very end you're faced with a choice to um kill Sonic and become stronger than him? Um, or are you going to be subservient for Sonic to Sonic for forever? Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a good moral choice at the end of the game and um, saw a lot of good, you know, reset era posts about, you know, what yeah, was, what yeah. was your ending like? And of course, since you're making, you know, you make your own character, um, you end up making kind of like, mm, it's not really a Khajiit. It's more of like a, like a Sonic thing, uh, mm-hmm. Sonic Sona kind of a thing. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So there was a really cool aspect of that game where people would share the pictures of what their what their character I think, was. I think my favorite part wasn't even so much like a lot of the morality stuff. I think the 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 big the cat side quest I felt was very very well. Written. Oh my god, so emotional when you, uh, yeah, yeah, like it was absolutely incredible. Like he just like lost his family and just went the fuck off. Like big the cat. I don't know if you guys know this, just. He looks all just fine and dandy and normal and cute and innocent, but he's just a godless killing machine. Like he is one bad day away from just snapping and ending it all for everyone. And this game, you you see the bad day, and and Lord, what that what that big purple cat can do with a fishing pole, I never I never knew. Yeah, it 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 kind of scared me. I actually went and sold my own personal fishing pole after watching that. I I, I don't want to get too much into it uh, for uh, you know content warning purposes but right yes this is this is a family this is a family podcast family family friendly show but yeah i i I was really impressed with like the like the level of gravity of big the cat's actions in that world and the world is fucked up and i thought it really drove the point home how fucked up big the cat is in a world where everything is already just kind of by default fucked up yeah and you know it's that's that 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 phrase of when all you when all you have is a fishing pole, everything looks like a fish. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And th- this this just goes to show you sometimes you just shouldn't let the cat out of the bag. Yes, exactly. And that's why that's my third favorite game of the year. What is your third favorite game of the year? So my third favorite game of the year is one that we made with our uh, good friend, Blessing Edioye Jr. over at OK Beast. That is Porky Pig Ace Attorney. Mm. Mm. Uh, the wonderful, wonderful, uh, Looney Tunes cross Phoenix, Wright Cross persona game that we didn't really know that we needed, but I'm really happy exists. Now, normally you would kind of expect from me that a, a game that is essentially a persona game would be ranked a little bit higher than three. Probably you would assume like a number one, but uh, I, I really did enjoy what this game was driving home at. I thought like the music obviously fucking banging. I thought the dialogue was like really well thought out and like the, the translations were all very good. Uh, I, I think like the crime drama itself was gripping, but I, I did find myself at the end of it just kind of wanting more like it. What You get to that point, like towards the end of that game, you know, where you have solved all crime. You get to the point where, like, the final boss, spoilers, by the way, this is a game of the year cast, Yosemite San, just like, he's had it, he's just had it up to here with you, higher than he is, because he's a very short man, and he 
he just like opens his eyes and this light just pours out and he just like explodes into this like bright light. And then suddenly you are face to face as Porky Pig and the Phantom Thieves with God. And your goal is to kill God to end crime forever. Right. Because and it was I thought it was a weird twist that God was somehow the source of crime. Um, but, you know, it's it's a it's a Japanese RPG. So, you know, the right, plot's right. going to go off the rails. Right. At some point, you have to kill God in a JRPG. Like it, it it felt a little shoehorned in. I think the music for that was absolutely incredible. The fucking dubstep remix of the Hallelujah Chorus. Are you yep. kidding me? God damn. Yeah. And it was and it was weird that Real Big Fish did that one. But I thought it was really it was really. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was it was it was kind of a neat like. The whole game is about breaking out of your comfort zone. Porky Pig, you know, he's not really a lawyer. Like, he's not somebody that's very comfortable with public speaking. And, like, to, I, I think having Real Big Fish do, like, step out of their comfort zone to do a dubstep cover of Hallelujah, which is incredible. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I really liked the uh, the DLC that came out halfway through the year. It was mm-hmm. the, 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 the pig, the pig foot gumshoe re colon mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that one, you actually meet with uh, Felix the cat uh, as an extra sort of crossover that like came out of left field too. I was, I was like, I, I know we like made this game, but we obviously like offshored the DLC to another dev. Cause we don't got time for that. Oh but, yeah. No. Uh, but I, I, I was really pleasantly surprised to see how they handled that. Like sometimes you just need to give uh, games with long, uh, ridiculous drawn out and super convoluted stories. Maybe you should just let someone else take a crack at them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I thought it was really cool how, you know, you go into Felix the Cat's bag and then, you know, it turns out God has uh, sealed a a portion of his soul away in uh, Felix the Cat's magic bag. And you Mm -hmm. go in there and you you get rid of the rest of God, which uh, not only does it get rid of, you know, you've gotten rid of crime, but it also gets rid of... um, Oh, I don't know. The DMV. Some joke. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like a throwaway joke. But I mean, this also goes to show you sometimes you shouldn't let God out of cat's bag. Yeah. Yeah. Another cat out of the bag <laughs> reference. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's our robot. We made it. So there's going to be a, a little bit of, uh, you know, overlap. You got to have your signature there. So, yeah, absolutely. So my second favorite game mm-hmm. of this year, it was another game that we made with Blessing Eddie Oye Jr., um, and it's Mavis Beacon's Deluxe Beach Volleyball. Yes. This one was another one that caught me by surprise with how emotional it got. You delved into Mavis Beacon's past as a, as a, you know, like a typing savant. Mm. You, you delved into Mavis Beacon being, you know, the unchallenged best in her field yeah. at typing. You know, she could type an email. She can type a letter. Um, it doesn't really matter the text. She can code. Um, she's the best, she's the best typer in the world. Um, but she had a horrible pinky injury, uh, when trying to press the escape key, uh, but she just tried it too fast mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she, she lost her sponsorships with Nike and yeah. she is really, really tragic. Yeah. Honestly. And I thought it was really fucked up how her whole family left her after that. Um, you know, it, it was ironic that she, she couldn't hit the escape key. And then it turns out that her whole family actually escaped her. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so then, you know, she arrives at this, um, you know, this, this beachside bar, um, it's kind of run down and she says, you know what? I can do more than just type. Uh, I can also shred on the fucking guitar and I'm going to call up my old contacts from the wild, the wild eighties of the typing, um, tournaments back in the day. I got some greased up hunks that I know that I can get here to attract more people. Um, 
to come and watch them play beach volleyball. And then, you know, as, as the plot goes on, Mario gets a volleyball court mm-hmm. uh, next to it. Yeah, yeah. And they... And in their own bar. And so they end up having kind of a rivalry. And so it really puts you in the headspace of Mavis Beacon as you are playing guitar. You're playing, you know, uh, if you like pina coladas, you're, you're playing that song as you're, you know, telling people where to clean up and you're, you're telling mm-hmm. guests where they can sit. But you're also trying to facilitate the emotional uh, meters of your volleyball player. So what did you think of that game? Right. Yeah, it, it, it kind of reminded me a whole lot of the uh, cabaret minigame in the Yakuza series, where mm. you are essentially like managing a club, you're managing like your your girls that you have to work and like keeping track, making sure that they're okay, making sure that the customer's okay, assigning girls who are maybe like more like they're more jokey and more funny Uh, with like a client who wants to laugh very much or something like that to where you have to like really get to know your staff. I thought like digging into the social aspect of your employees, I think was, uh, it was a really, really well thought out thing. I I think that it could have been handled a little better, but I think the voice acting in particular, I think the fact that we managed to get like fucking Nolan North, we got Troy Baker, we got Matt Mercer, we got like Laura Bailey. Like, I can't believe the amount of people that like signed on for this project and their voice work just really drove home how powerful and how tragic a lot of these backstories were because it it, it gets to the point, which obviously spoilers, like you realize that everybody just kind of ends up at this bar for sort of the same reasons. They just kind of have nothing left. And this is like, it becomes like, it, it, it's this really neat story of like her family escapes her, but like once you get to the end, she finds a new family in like her friends and her staff at the bar and they're all bound together in this common quest to take down Mario. It was very powerful. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you talked about the voice actors, but lest we forget, Mark Hamill put in an excellent performance as Mario. I, I was, I was shocked. Like I, I, I was really surprised that, uh, whenever we reached out to Nintendo to get the rights, like they just didn't want Charles Martinet to do it. It, it was Mark Hamill, but he killed it. Like I, I it, it was incredible. Well, you know, the, and there's technical reasons behind that. I mean, sometimes you can only uh, play a certain amount of characters in a game or a movie or a TV show. And since Charles Martinet was already playing Mavis Beacon, he couldn't be right. Mario. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I forgot we had that contract. So yeah, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. You know, I thought it was really awesome that uh, James Earl Jones was the voice of the robot guitar. Um, That was really cool. But, you know, I thought I thought it was really fitting that after all of this, you know, drama with the typing and her family escaping her, that it was called Mavis Beacon's Escape Keys. Yeah. Her bar. Like, I thought that was so fitting and so awesome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, all these people are coming to this bar for the same reason. They have nothing left. They want to look at the, you know, the endless horizon of the ocean uh, while sipping a pina colada and watching a typing um, magnate from the early nineties, um, soothe their, soothe their sorry souls. So, yeah. And the song that she's always playing is the pina colada song, you know, mm-hmm. and allow me to read you some of the lyrics here. Mm-hmm. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, if you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, if you like making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape, I'm the love that you looked for right to me and escape. Yeah, it, it was incredible. Yeah. Like, I think the writing in this game really drives a whole lot of that stuff home. It was a really powerful experience that I'm very, very happy to have had a part of. Yeah. And I thought I thought, you know, there was some controversy. There was a lot of people that weren't really happy with the fact that there's only one song you can play 
but yeah. it wasn't really about the song. It was about it was about the emotions of your coworkers. It was about the big greasy men playing the volleyball outside. Um, and it was about taking down uh, Mario. So yeah, I that's that's my number two um, favorite game this year. What was yours? So mine is kind of on the darker end of the like of, of like your feelings. Like it, it's it's less kind of feel good at the end. Mine is of course uh, Cooking Mama Packing Heat. Yes, uh, the game where it is literally just a knockdown drag out fight for survival. And I, I think calling it Cooking Mama Last of Us is a little dismissive, but I think that's maybe the best way I can think of it. I think every single like stealth encounter where you're like trying to kill these people to like harvest their vegetables that they're growing or you're like sometimes like I, I thought the twist at the end where you're actually like cooking people where you are a cannibal was like incredible and was just very powerful and handled incredibly well. Um, and the fact that like you are trying to like raise your child, but you let your humanity slip in order to protect what you love the most, which I thought was very powerful. Uh, very gruesome, gruesome game. Like, uh, turns out if you are a chef uh, and you just like at, at some point, you know, harvest bodies like you would like crack open eggs and stuff, it just gets kind of fucked up. Yeah, the sinew of the muscle, like the Unreal yeah. Engine is crazy good lately. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was interesting. It was sort of like at the end of Breaking Bad when Walter White is is talking about all the crimes he did. And he says, you know what? Like, I, I did it because I liked it. Mm -hmm. I did it because I was good at it. And I was I was truly alive. Yeah. And it, it's sort of it. This sort of mirrors that when, you know, Cooking Mama is faced you know, when she is cornered by the cops, you know, with like an insane amount of, of cops with guns pointed at her. She has this inner monologue where she thinks about all the things she's done. And it shows you these cutscenes that you've seen. But only this time, it's not the vegetable people that you're seeing. It's the real people that she was killing yeah, and hunting. Yeah. Um, and she she says, so what? I did all that to protect my baby, to feed my baby human flesh. I did it because I was good at it and I liked it. And I, it made me feel truly alive. Yeah, I mean, if all you know is cooking and suddenly almost all of the ingredients in the world are wiped out, then what are you going to do? I think that's a really interesting kind of study of humanity of like what happens whenever you are forced to go too far to protect the things that you love, but also you just don't have anything else to rely on. And before we get too far into it, I do want to say that we did design this game with Jess Cogswell of Uppercut. Yes, yep. yes. Yep, yep. She, she was amazing. Um and I thought it was, you know, I, I thought that it was, you know, very interesting how the levels with your child interplayed with the levels where you were hunting, you know, where you're yeah, at yeah. home cooking with your child, you know, trying to maintain a healthy relationship while you're thinking this isn't enough food. I need more food. I need to go kill again. Um, and it sort of goes into like cooking mama, you have enough food. You, you are doing yeah. this killing because something is, is off in you. And it's at the, at the point where like, she just snaps and like resorts to essentially cannibalism. Like you at that point already have a farm. It's very well protected. Like you have enough, but it's not enough, you know? Yeah. And I thought, I thought the, the cliffhanger ending of her jumping at the, the UN uh, United forces army with just a cleaver in her hand with the freeze frame. I know it was divisive, but I think that yeah. one, it could lead into a sequel or some DLC, but otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, it leads you to think, I wonder what did happen to cooking mama. 
Yeah, like it's it's very heavily implied that she does not make it through that encounter. But I mean, considering her combat expertise and just how ruthless and cold blooded she is, like obviously that she could be totally fine. And I think not spelling that out for the player was a very smart move. Yeah, I mean, people don't want to be force fed answers to questions they they know the answers to already. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was a really interesting part. I thought the inventory management was a little cluttery, but yeah, yeah, I I would have liked to see it, it, the the problem I had was that just not a lot of things stacked, you know, like where if you like found like a turnip, then like two turnips took up two inventory slots, and I feel like it 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 is 2019, like you should you should figure that shit out. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Regardless, it was still a perfect game. Marty Critic said so. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the letter from him right here. Yep. So. Yep. And it was it's weird that he signed it in blood. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't I'm not going to pretend to know what goes on over at Metacritic. Right. That's, that's his business. <laughs> that's not mine. Yeah. Maybe Cooking Mom is there. I don't know. Well, and I, I did like the live action segments of this game as well. I think Laura Dern did a really good job as Cooking Mama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that Charles Martinet as the baby was really like a, a an, an inspired choice. It, it was pretty bold, but I, I, I think it, he really showed kind of his depth of like his, his range like he's he's a great voice actor and not just for like mario and mavis beacon you know like he, he's very good at what he does and it's really cool to like let him show that sometimes yeah absolutely and and you know 2019 has been a, a great year for for charles martinet's um voice acting you know diversity yeah. and you know maybe we'll get into more of his roles um as we get to our favorite game of the year and our audience uh favorite game of the year yeah, maybe but, do you have anything else to say on uh, cooking mama colon packing heat no, uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely not a game I'm looking forward to playing again. I, I don't know if I will. It's one of those, like, I, I, I got the story. It's a lot. It was a lot. Right, absolutely. And, you know, sort of like The Last of Us, you know, the final choices in that game are going to, they're going to stick with you for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's gonna, that's our um, first half of the show for today. And we're going to take a quick break and do our favorite games of the year, as well as the viewer's choice favorite game. So we'll be right back. And we are back and we are ready to reveal both our favorite games of the year that we made, as well as the viewer's choice for favorite game of the year. I will go first. Okay, hit me. My favorite game is just one of those games. That's right. Suburbs <laughs> colon block party beatdown designed with Jordan Starkweather of the Pocketoid podcast. What a good fucking game. I know. You talk about store specific DLC and of course I'm talking about uh Fred Durst of the uh of Limp Biscuit fame. Mm-hmm. A store specific DLC that is necessary for you to complete the game. Yeah, it's it's like the new step. It's brilliant marketing, honestly. I I'm kind of I'd like to see more people do this. It's kind of interesting. It 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 makes it, it it felt like this cool meta game where in order to like actually play the game for real, you've got to play the game of finding the actual game in the first place. Right. And you know, it, it was unclear about which store 
had the DLC because it was store specific, but it was spread out to random games and random stores. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it may have made you want to break stuff, but it was all about the he said, she said bullshit. And you have to figure yeah, out, right. you have to figure out which store has the DLC and you have to buy, you know, certain games. Maybe you have to buy the game like three, four times. It was more, you know, there was like 10% of them had it in there, but I think that it led towards a satisfying conclusion where Fred Durst is the president of the herbs um, kind of uh, empire. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you vow to break more shit in different countries. And so it leaves you off on this cliffhanger of, oh shit, like the United States is going to war with other countries now with Fred Durst and his red hat in control. I think, I think my favorite thing about that like the story and everything very cool and like getting to that point is super rewarding and satisfying but i was very into the fact that the multiplayer didn't actually open up until you got to that point and you went to war with other players countries yeah because i mean and and full disclosure if you haven't played this game or as a refresher this was a a sims a uh, Muso game and a Muso game is like, you know, those kinds of games where there were there's, you know, hundreds of different enemies that come at you like a Dynasty Warriors or like a Hyrule Warriors or something like that. It started off sort of like Spore where you just have a house and people and you're throwing a party and people start to come over for the party. And then like your friends of friends of friends come over and yeah, like the shady yeah. looking people that are like, no, I think he stole my laptop at a party one time. Yeah. Like the frat house down the street comes over, just starts like actually breaking stuff. So then yeah. you break their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because because of that, then you're like, I'm going to try to get these people out. And they get so stuck in in being in the party that you have to get violent. Um, you have to weaponize your own home. And then as the, you know, of course, the excitement grows by you doing that. The people that are on your side at this party are like, hell yeah, get them. The party spreads to more houses. And soon you get, you know, a block party as, you know, the titular block party here. You know, go you go to counties, cities, states. And to get to the country level, you need to uh, get that Fred Durst commander level. So it's kind of like a Muso game meets a tower defense game. Yeah, um, yeah. It was really light on story, but that's why it's one of my favorite games of all time. But it was my favorite game this year because I like a game that you can just sink into the strategy of it and let the diversity of mechanics and the diversity of, you know, your different your different units, you know, there were, you know, Roombas with knives, which you upgrade to, you know, um, R2-D2 toys with guns on them. Yeah, it, it was like really well thought out, kind of like an almost like an RTS progression system with your technology. It it reminded me a lot of Brutal Legend, which is yes. very much like starts out as one thing where it is very much this kind of action adventure game where it's just kind of a hack and slash, but eventually does turn into protect your base, take out their base send your enemies over there. It was this really neat thing. That game always resonated with me, which wasn't really a popular opinion for a lot of people. Right. But, uh, and and I'm sure that this won't be everybody's favorite game of the year either. But, sure. you know, what really did, um, what really made the difference for me in, a, in yet another game, Charles Martinet as Fred Durst put in an amazing. Incredible. Yes, absolutely. If you were lucky enough to be one of the 10% of people that got the Fred Durst DLC, um, and those codes are going, you know, they're going gangbusters on eBay. Right Hundreds now. of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the emotional content of like, why does Fred Durst want to break stuff? Yeah. Why is his biscuit so limp? I was I was really like almost inspired by his like speech at the credits. Like he did it all for the nookie. Absolutely. Like, that's incredible. Like I am. I was so 
it, you really get a sense for this dude's struggle and like obviously like his talent with his like songwriting and his speech writing it was really really powerful in this cool moment and like i i was it, it made me immediately jump into the multiplayer and i'm still playing this game absolutely and you know it's it it's no wonder that the entire you know nation is behind him um when it when it's time to you know take that cookie and stick it up your yeah, yeah. of the different yeah exactly of the different of the different countries as as grounded as something fantastical as a party getting out of hand and eventually your president is you know as 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 a little fantastical as that is everything still feels very grounded and relatable i was very very into it just from the entire step of the way there's a lot of i mean it it might be a little obvious but the political um, stance that this game takes for a Sims game made by EA um, of, you know, hey, a party gets out of control and elects a guy with a red hat to uh, control the party and uh, leads it to war with other countries. I thought that was, you know, a a crazy, inspiring, you know, cautionary tale. Totally. Yeah, it it was really... It, it, it was very unexpected, I guess, is kind of what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm happy that it happened. I'm very happy that this game exists. I think that we as a society are better for it. Yes. Um, I think it's very kind of enriching and you can learn a whole lot from the 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 wonderful, sometimes tragic tale of uh, Fred Durst. It was yeah. very cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's why that's my uh, my favorite game this year. Cam, what was your favorite game this year? My favorite game of 2019 Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Uh, it is one Jet Set Subscribe Apocalypse. Uh, we that was helped made by uh, Khalif Adams of Spawn on Me. Shout out to Khalif. Uh, I, I this game just kind of grabbed me from the start and just did not let go. The idea of every single person, every single crew in all of Tokyo to just have this one like they, they have this contest. And it's like whoever gets to the wall first and tags the wall is the winner. And they are like respected as like the king and like they are the pinnacle of like of the entire scene. Like there it is like the height of popularity that you can ever receive in Tokyo To. I I was really interested in it from a like the music is obviously fantastic. Hideki Nakanuma does not make bad songs at all. Uh, but like I, the the turn based combat, like something akin to like a Yakuza Seven, I was very very into. Everything is like very ridiculous in a way that makes sense. I think the Nemesis system was employed beautifully. Yeah. How you don't actually like you don't kill in these games. Like that's just not how that works. Everything no. is very non violent because obviously no murder is a very bad crime. You're trying to keep the cops off of your tail, but you can like go up and like spray a cop in the face with like a paint can and that'll like embarrass them in front of their colleagues. They come back more motivated to take you out. I thought that was very cool and very powerful. The twist at the end where, uh, the entire thing was a sham from DJ professor K. Yes. DJ professor K. Thank you. Uh, he like the fact that he set up this whole, like almost tournament of, like it, 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 this big contest so that he could just wipe everyone else out and he could just take over the entire city. And at the very end where you have that kind of like mass effect or like Avengers Endgame moment where everybody is just rallying behind your call because you've proven that you're better than everybody. And you're just like going into this big, huge battle of just like all of the people loyal to Professor uh, DJ Professor K and all of the people loyal to your character, I thought was incredibly powerful and just really well done. It, it, it made me tear up and I did not expect to cry playing a jet set game. 
Yeah, no, and I thought that it was, I mean, a little bit cartoony when everybody gets to the wall on the end of the third day because it's a it's a real time, you know, you have three days to to get to the wall um, at the other side of Tokyoto. Um, and you got your, you know, your poison jam and your your other folks that are that are with you. I thought it was a little bit cartoonish how DJ Professor K literally just makes the wall like fall down almost like a kind of roadrunner esque totally um, yeah. scenario. But it was, you know, it was shocking based on your choices who got squashed and who didn't, you know, and who was left yeah. at the end. Um, and it, like you said, it was really emotional to see all those folks come back at the very end of the game, because of course the, the wall gets blown down at the, at the first half of the game and then you have to put in disc two. Um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I really, really liked that game as well. And I thought that it was a weird choice to have the game come in, um, DJ professor, special K box, uh, like cereal. Yeah. That was a very, it, it, I think brilliant marketing, but I, I, I think they just, I think we maybe underestimated how many millennials eat cereal, right? Especially like Special K. So it, it was it, it definitely didn't work out. But I mean, I think I think the game still did pretty well, uh, at least critically for sure. I mean, it is a perfect game. Yeah, to Mister Critic. Thank yeah, you. I think that it was it was an interesting choice to make it come in in cereal boxes like that. But I I think just shadow dropping boxes of cereal that have DJ professor K on it. You know, it struck me Yeah, uh, as I was going through the, the cereal aisle, it's, it struck me when it, when it, you know, it, it had that little speaker box in it. And again, Charles Martinet is DJ professor yeah. K incredible. Work. Yeah. Um, you know, it literally speaks to you in the store and you go, Oh, okay, I guess I'll buy this. And then there's, there's two Blu-ray discs of jet set subscribe, uh, apocalypse. I thought it was a little bit weird that the cereal was just literally, um, a bag of loose spray paint, but you know, they have to, they had to keep on theme. So yeah. And it budget reasons, you know, you had to, you have to do a lot of food licensing stuff. It's I, I get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it was a, it was a bold move by Kellogg's to do that. Yeah. But completely I, agreed. I thought that it was this cool sort of performance art thing that goes along with it. And, you know, it, it ties into the game having, you know, that cereal in there and people, you know, eat the cereal and, you know, that's how DJ professor K gets his mind control on the other um, yeah. characters of the game. It was really you know, it had a really good message on um, consumerism and capitalism, which, you know, yeah. this game didn't sell super well. And maybe that's kind of what they wanted. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, I think the parallels are, are really just kind of the, the binary aspects of how it's very much like a commentary on social media, how like DJ Professor K obviously being the turncoat villain and like brainwashing people with his cereal, like he, you know, he, he didn't try to organically like grow his social media reach. He didn't try to like organically like grow a community to interact with. He just like spent a bunch of money and just like had some sort of authority and just like essentially strong armed people into following him where like you, you are starting as like just the bottom of the ladder and you're just working your way up and people eventually respect that. You're like making friends with people. You have so many opportunities to like exile them out of town or even like kill some of these people, but you don't, you of course, in this game, you know, you don't kill anybody, right? It's sure. You, you sure. Just, people just get canceled, right? So yeah, totally. um, I thought that was an interesting little commentary too. 
So like you, you basically just offer them mercy. You become friends with them. Like they, they become your teammates. They become your partners. And like you, your base organically grows and it just shows like, obviously at the very end, you overcome it. And I thought it was a very nice touch that all of your teammates all spray paint the wall at the same time together. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. The design didn't end up looking too good because of that, but it was still, sure. you know, it was more about the statement against exactly. capitalism. Exactly. Uh, I, I thought it was very, it was a nice touch. That was the point where I just like started openly weeping. It was, it was a really cool, powerful moment. And I, I love, I just love games where the small guy always overcomes and just takes out the man. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, it wasn't my pick for game of the year, but I think that it is 100% a, a valid, um, pick. Agreed. Yeah. We both have very different tastes in games. We're pretty vocal about that. Like, I, I, I think that both of our, all of our picks definitely reflect us very well. So, yeah, absolutely. So many of these games, in fact, all of these games have been Martin critics approved 100%, uh, perfect games. Um, these were all good games, but our viewers' choice game of the year was the only game that was good like Shrek. Oh. That's right, folks. This the viewers' choice for the game of the year was Shrek colon Donkey May Cry, um, co-developed with Caitlin Galley's Row. And talk about, you know, turncoat villain. This is a turncoat hero. You know, it's yeah. it's you have your own Shrek Sona. You're going up against Dante from the Devil May Cry series. And mm-hmm. Dante at the very end of the game, when you're when you're fighting the uh like some some kind of, you know, Farquad Lich King, you know, with yeah. with gingerbread armor, um, and there's lightning all around him and the gumdrop buttons are are firing at you. Um, Dante uh, you, you know, you kill, you know, spoilers, this is a game of the year podcast. You kill Dante leading up to fighting Farquaad um, with your raid crew. Um, and at the very end, Dante rises up and becomes your fifth member of your crew against Farquaad. And, you know, I think, you know, you're sort of talking about the portals moment from Endgame. Um, it, it, it felt a lot like that where, you know, he he said this party's getting crazy. He put on his hat and he did the weird moonwalk and then. The fireworks hit Farquaad in his nuts, and then he fell over and died. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, it, it's very Shrek and Devil May Cry, I think. I think it was a perfect blending. I've always really just kind of had a thought that these two universes would go well together. Oh, who hasn't? Right, and I I was really surprised at how well they did. Uh, like, it, it just felt very seamless. Like, uh, the near stuff with the Final Fantasy fourteen thing mm-hmm. that has happened like this year as well. Yep. Like I, I think that that stuff is like close enough in terms of like tone and like to some extent like ridiculousness that I was very very into it. Because I mean at the end of the day, like Dante is just trying to keep the lights on at his place, and like he's he he definitely has you know like morals and he he tries to do the right thing. But I mean paycheck's a paycheck you know and uh, the fact that you actually revive him by just like shoving a hundred dollars into his corpse was incredible i thought that was a really cool thing and it's like 100 real dollars you can't beat this game unless you pay another fee on top of it which was brilliant marketing yeah absolutely and i mean you know it is an mmo so they have to get their money some kind of way sure but i i thought that you know you make your shrek sona you make your um donkeys or your half donkeys um you make you know any any whatever you're going to make your tune as in this game, I thought it was cool how whatever one you made, John Cena, who does the voice of your character, um, mm-hmm. references, you know, like, I'm glad I got this new brooch. 
or when you know whatever whatever you got you know, like these shoes are the shit yeah whatever whatever you know new equipment you get like i thought that it was crazy how modular um john cena's performance was um as you know your protagonist Here, here's here's the thing that i think is pretty wild and you might not be expecting this but that's actually not john cena i did not see that coming it is actually charles martinet mm. Actually, we we brought him into the studio. We hid this from you, which I, I think is like, I'm impressed that you didn't actually find out. Uh, he was doing his best John Cena impression. Like, wow. I, I, and it was incredible. Like, he nailed it. Yeah. Um, and, and just like John Cena, like, he, we, we kind of hid Charles Martinet's credit. We didn't want to not credit him because, you know, unions and all that stuff. But uh, it, you can't see him. Yeah, I know. I was, like, was going to say, like, I, you I know. suppose, um, you know, I didn't see John Cena at all. Yeah. Because he wasn't in this game. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's that. If I would have known that, I probably would have put this game um, higher up on my list because, you know, what a, what a twist. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good twist. I it, The best twists are always the ones you don't see coming. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, this game is the first game ever that was good like Shrek. And boy, is it. They delivered on, on you know, so many different levels. Um, you know, the art style being... Um, you know, like a paper cutout art style, um, was so bold and how it was all photographed, you know, little pieces of paper. Um, you know, the devs must've, you know, worked their fingers to the bone and I am sure they actually did because on some of the pieces of paper, there was some blood, but yeah, a um, bit of blood. that's, that's fine. That work really shows. And, you know, this is maybe the best, um, I mean, MMO of all time. You look at, I, I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to play final fantasy 14 after seeing Shrek and a half donkey, um, go and, and beat Farquaad with um, Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Right. Dante's got a motorcycle. Like, that's cool as hell. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And his motorcycle, you, you can also, if you, if you play as um, the Shrek race, the Ogres, you can, you can get a motorcycle that runs off of mud as well. And it's, you know, the, if you have both of those um, items in your inventory, you can do some awesome final moves on the final boss. So who could go back to, you know, some normal MMO stuff with some of the best crossovers of all time. This is the only crossover that matters. And it's the only one that people have been clamoring for since before Shrek or devil may cry existed. Like people, people in the 1800s were born saying, give me Shrek, give me Shrek, give me Shrek. As part of the like planning docs for this game, we actually did encounter like some ancient scrolls that spoke of a demon hunter, a donkey and an ogre teaming up to fight a giant baked good yeah it was it, it, it just literally written in the prophecies like it's truly incredible and it's very rare that you see a game that lives up to that level of hype uh and they nailed it like it, the launch was great like there was no real server issues it was it was it was really cool i i really 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 enjoyed my time with it i it didn't make my top three it just didn't resonate with me as much but i think it's definitely a solid number four for me right neither of us are mmo people but there it's it's become it's you know it's uh a fast-growing genre um with a lot of the the game the games that are out now but um i i, I can see why people thought that this was uh their, their game of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to do it for this year's game of the year special. Please, if you like the show, share it with a friend or leave a review. We've had a great year and we're really thankful for all the friends, fans, patrons, and guests we've had. And we can't wait to show you some of the things we're working on next year. It's going to be 
if you thought this was weird and buck wild, yeah. um, we're, we're going to be doing, we've got a couple things planned. One of them is set in stone. The other one we're still working on. They're going to be very silly. And I yeah. think I really, I'm excited to, I'm constantly thinking about them. They're great. Right. Absolutely. And so remember, if you want bonus episodes, early episodes, shout outs or access to the robot yourself, check out our Patreon. The link is in the description. And we are so close to our patron goal that allows us to do two bonus shows a month. Uh, When you sign up as a patron, you get access to all of our previous bonus episodes. And uh, I think we only need like maybe one or two more patrons and we'll be able to do two bonus shows a month. Um, So if you would like to be that patron, um, hit, hit up the Patreon. It's in the description. Patreon shoutouts for this week include the nanobiologist Andrew Feisner, Alec Bobco, Erica Scherer, Miss Shelby Ray, DK42, Colin McCasey, Sammy Valuri, Mikey Phillips, and Patrick McPherson. I can be found at Two Headed Giant. Uh, I can be found at The Camdy Man. And this has been the New Entertainment System Podcast. And as always, have a happy new year. Or I will fucking find you. <laughs>